Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. The word game Wordle has been all the rage as of late. Beautiful in its simplicity, we wanted to talk about its popularity and also about some ways to approach guessing the five-letter word in as few tries as possible. So we caught up with linguist Dr. Grant Berry. He is an assistant professor at Villanova University. So to start, why do you think Wordle caught fire like it did? Before we kind of break down tips and stuff like that there are a lot of word games there are new games every day this one seemed to kind of capture the the zeitgeist unlike anything i've seen in a while yeah it's kind of unusual i I think that wordle has been around a little bit longer um i'm not exactly sure of the original uh date that it was posted but uh it does seem to have have come about like a like a storm i think part of that is a combination of a few different factors uh, one is just the design uh, and the implementation of the game. It's fairly straightforward. Uh, there are only five letters. You have six chances. It's very easy to understand. Uh, but also the fact, I think, that there's only one per day gives individuals a sort of shared topic of discussion. And really that lends itself well to um, people posting on social media and um, things getting picked up and going viral. So sort of the combination of the simplicity of the task and the fact that it's very easy uh, for everyone to be on the same page, which these days I think is becoming less and less common. I think it's a welcome respite from some of the other stressors of life right now. And one of the interesting things is you mentioned social media and we see people posting their stuff for the most part. One of the things I'm amazed about is people are very good about not ruining it for other people. I I mean, it's not universal. I have seen a couple people that maybe they don't say what the word is straight out, but they basically talk around it so much that if you're paying any attention, you know what the word is. But for the most part, it seems like people are really working hard to, to protect this for the group. Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple of potential reasons for that. Uh, I I give a lot of credit to um, the the copy and paste text that you're allowed to share on social media. It generates using emoji a visual representation of your path and how well you did for that particular wordle without giving away any information other than at each stage of the game, how many letters did you guess correctly and were they in the right position or not? Um, I think that in itself is enough to give people an idea for how difficult uh, or how well someone did on the particular wordle, but also um, it sort of creates an incentive not to reveal what the word is, lest somebody else get the word in two when you got it in four. Um, so it, in some sense, it's people being respectful and letting other people play. But I think there's, there's potentially also some element of individual pride of saying, this is how well I did. See if you can beat me. So do you have any... For people that play or maybe people that haven't played but are interested, uh, do you have any tips on how to address it? Like, I know a lot of people use the same starting word 
every time and just kind of use that as their base to build off of. Uh, do you think that's a good strategy? And do you have any other strategies you'd pass along? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it depends on what your end goal is. If you want to be one of the people uh, that's able to get it on the first try, if you develop that same word every day strategy, you're probably not going to do that. Um, But it's going to really increase the likelihood that you'll be able to come up with the word within the limited uh, number of guesses. So I personally start with the same word every time and um, try to be strategic about each guess that I use to use the information that I get from previous guesses to help me narrow down what the word might be. When it comes to like, when I approach it, I might not use the same word every time, but I pretty much approach that my first word will have some kind of combination of T R E A D S. Like those I find are the, are six of the main letters I play words with friends, and obviously, if you get those letters, uh, you can you have a lot of wiggle room to mi- to move. Should you approach it certain that way? Are you better off maybe eliminating a, a different tier of letters? You know, how do you look yeah. at it? So um, the the classic uh, wheel of fortune rules, uh, where the most common uh, letters in English are R S T L N E. Um, A lot of people start around there. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that, um, but I do think you can do better. Um, I went to GitHub, the GitHub page um, for the person who who created this. Um, I know there are some other people online that have gone through and actually looked into the API to find the potential uh, word lists. Um, But I just used this list that he had on his website, and I went through and did a really quick analysis to see what the individual letter frequencies are. And it turns out, at at least in that list, the most common letters are S-O-A-R-E. I don't remember if it's exactly in that order, but the reason I said them in that order is because there's one word in the English language that contains all of them, uh, and it's SOAR, S-O-A-R-E. It's um, an archaic word, uh, meaning a young hawk. It is not, it's totally obsolete. It's not used uh, in modern uh, language. So if you start with that word, you're unlikely to get it in one shot, but you are given the advantage of checking all of the most common letters at once. Uh, And so this is listed in the possible words. That's what I always start with. And then based on that, I move forward, uh, like I said earlier, strategically. I try to take... um, once I get feedback, um, if, for example, I type a uh, soar and I don't have any of the vowels or I don't have any letters, then I use the next word to guess the remainder of the vowels. Uh, so I try to choose different words where um, I'm using the other two vowels, U and I, and also consonants that are fairly frequent that I haven't used before. So some examples, tulip cumin, um, these other words that have have those letters in them. And granted, if in the first stage, there are some letters that you got correctly, you definitely want to incorporate those in your additional guesses. Um, and a couple other just general caveats as, as far as strategy goes is don't neglect the positional information that you get. Remember, if 
when um, it, remember if when uh, you make a guess, you get a letter that's shown up as yellow. That's giving you an important piece of information. Well, two actually. One, that the letter is there, and two, that it's not in that spot. So don't put it there again in, in your additional guesses if you can. Um, and you can kind of systematically, if it's a really frequent letter, try to pick different words to move that letter in different positions to try to get it from yellow to green. Um, and then after, after that, the another really important thing to bear in mind is uh, given that these are five letter words that you're trying to figure out, odds are there's either going to be um, a sequence of vowels or there's going to be some sort of consonant cluster in them. So having a knowledge of what the most common types of consonant clusters are in English is really useful to uh, moving forward and trying to figure out what the word is. Um, this means often that uh, consonants like R and L or H, um, what we would call more resonant consonants in linguistics, are more likely to be the second or fourth letter of the five. Um, this is due to a property called sonority sequencing, um, which we don't need to go into here. But basically, the idea is that um, things um, become more vowel-like as you move toward the center of a syllable and less vowel-like as you move away from it. Using that, you can usually get it in um, two, between two and four. So I would say right now I'm averaging about two and a half to three. You mentioned, you know, a lot of people's goal is to get it on that first try. I would argue that that is not the most impressive thing because to me, if you get it on the first try, it's dumb luck. You I just, agree. you stumbled on it. Uh, I think too is the is really the one you should be most proud of because you've gotten the first set of hints and you were able to now there could be some dumb luck you didn't get any letters in the first one and the second one you got all like but for the most part that's where the deduction and the 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 linguist linguist skills mm -hmm. really are put to the test and would be the the highest grade on the test in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would say that um between two and three is really where bragging rights come into play because two, if you have some letters from the first guess, if you're able to use those letters to come to the word three, if you had zero letters from the first guess and still have to take another step to try to get um, some help. But yeah, I think, I think that that shows a lot more uh, skill and a lot more uh, sort of implicit knowledge about uh, distributional patterns in the English language. You talked about things to look for. Are there any traps that are easy to fall into when you're doing this? Assumptions that maybe are popular, but may lead you astray more than they help you? Yeah, I think the biggest one is forgetting that double letters are a possibility. Um, so if you get information that says that there's an O in the word, for example, that means there's at least one O in the word. It's always possible that there's more than one. So uh, typically double letters in English are going to be um, O, um, E, uh, and then also uh, some voiceless stop consonants, P, T, C, um, these typically uh, can be doubled for a number of different reasons, but um, that's a that's a big uh, pitfall is forgetting about the possibility of that. 
Another um, that I find myself running into is thinking in, or how should I say, it's coming up with a really strong prediction and not giving up on the possibility that it's it's that particular word. So for example, if I'm very, very convinced that uh, a T is the first letter because I know a T is in the word, then that really biases the kinds of guesses that I make, even though I think I might be really tempted to make it ST or something like that. Um, definitely suspending that prediction to acknowledge a number of possible other combinations is really important. And sometimes it's very easy to fall into that trap because human beings use distributional information to make inferences all the time. We we make guesses based on what we've seen before. And if a particular combination of of letters is particularly is uh, particularly common, then um, we have a tendency to want to use those. But that's not always the best strategy. We talked earlier about why Wordle is popular. As we're talking earlier this week, word came that the New York Times bought Wordle from the creator. Yeah. Uh, good on the creator, making what sounds like seven figures on something he made for his partner. How do you think this bodes for the future of Wordle uh, going forward once the Times eventually? Because I can't imagine... I don't know, maybe it's a cynic in me. I can't imagine it's going to stay free and stay kind of as innocent as it, as it is now. Yeah, my my initial gut reaction was, well, it was fun while it lasted. Um, but I, I thought a bit more about it. And if you look at this from the perspective of the developer, I mean, there are, there are costs involved in maintaining servers uh, and automatically generating those words every day. And I... I don't want to speak for the creator, but I doubt it was their intention for this to become as large as it did. Um, so I, I agree, you know, good for the creator on uh, developing something that became so popular and being able to to market it and sell it. In terms of what we can expect for the future, I I think that there will be strong pressure on the New York Times to keep at least the classic version of Wordle to be free and accessible albeit potentially with ads uh, here, there, and everywhere. Um, but I think this may be cause for um, excitement in the sense that uh, they may be able to develop more complicated iterations of Wordle with uh, differing numbers of letters or uh, other uh, types of languages. Although now that I say that, I do have one concern in the sense that there are lots of Wordle spinoffs that already exist. Uh, I don't know if you've seen these. There was one made for fans of Taylor Swift recently that I saw. I think it was called Swiftle. I don't remember. Um, um, but then there's also a Spanish language version. Um, there is there's one that's called Absurdal, where the uh, word changes after every guess based on your information. Um, so you could go infinitely. My, my concern about the sale to New York Times is that there may be some pressure from them then to inhibit the creation of some of these fun and perhaps more niche alternatives to Wordle. Um, so that that's a potential concern. But at the end of the day, it's difficult to say what this will mean for the future. I'm cautiously optimistic um, that it will be expansion um, for more users. 
uh, and more uh, interesting and diverse types of gameplay, but only time will tell. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.